Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Emo Social Club podcast. Uh, just me, Brian, and my dumb voice at the start of this episode to introduce uh, our interview with Laura Haddadin from Chicago Abortion Fund. Uh, so this episode is talking a bit about uh, what our fundraiser on June 5th is going to be uh, raising money for, which is the Chicago Abortion Fund. Uh, and we're getting to what that money will go towards, uh, why we are doing it. Obviously, you've probably seen a ton of stuff in the news about uh, all the states that are passing these super restrictive abortion laws. And so we go into a little bit of that, get some uh, some information out there for you if you don't know or uh, if you already know, you'll probably just get angrier the whole way you listen to this because it's stupid laws. But um, we want to do something positive to to combat these and make sure that nothing like that will ever happen here in Illinois um, and keep people involved and give people a resource to to help and uh, support a good cause. Um, so yeah, June 5th at Emporium Chicago, uh, we will be hosting Emo Karaoke. Uh, all the information will be in the show notes. You can also find it on our Facebook, Emporium's Facebook, uh, pretty much everywhere uh, on our socials. You can find information about it. After this episode, you'll also hear uh, some interviews that Lizzie did uh, at the RHA march in Chicago uh, last week. There were people who were marching to make sure that the uh, Reproductive Health Act passed. We talk a little bit about that in the episode, too, which I've learned more about since the episode recorded. Um, yeah, so she has some interviews with uh, people that she talked to there. Um, so go make sure to listen till the end to check out those. Uh, also, just a just a little housekeeping note. Um, we are moving our episodes after this uh, to be released on Mondays. Uh, so this will be the last one on Friday. There will not be one as of the following Friday because we're just going to be way too busy with the event. He says, knowing that we are. Uh, so the the following episode that you'll get uh, will be on the Monday uh, after the event we do on Wednesday. So just, uh, you know, for the people who care and the people who come and check us all out, um, as just some other, uh, promo, I suppose, uh, I will be at, uh, emo night LA on Friday, the 7th of June. So that Friday night after our, uh, fundraiser and, uh, on Sunday night, I will be DJing at Beauty Bar for the My Chemical Romance uh, 15 Years of Three Cheers event. Um, I am being left the keys to the castle, and I promise that I'm not going to burn it down. He said, ready to burn it down. Um, all right, let's get into it. Here's the interview with Laura from the Chicago Abortion Fund.
Uh, Lara Haddadin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being Hi. here. Hi. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I uh, wanted to interview you in advance of the emo karaoke event we're doing on June fifth, uh, supporting Chicago Abortion Fund, which uh, you are. A, how? What is your relationship to Chicago Abortion Fund? Um. So I went to UAC, and when I was doing undergrad there, one of my professors was heavily involved with the Chicago Abortion Fund. She's actually on the board. Um, because of her, I got involved with their annual bolathon. So every year they do this big fundraiser where people create bowling teams and then raise money as a team for the Chicago abortion fund. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, I'm team captain of a team called the Pence Punishers. (laughs) Um, so this year was really successful and, Uh, I wanted to continue to work with them outside of just once a year. So, um, I do their communication stuff too. I help with Twitter. I help with Instagram. Um, and now I'm doing this fundraiser because I thought it would be fun, cute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know when we were first sort of getting this in the books and, and setting it up, um, was kind of before all of these laws were getting passed and it was so Mm -hmm. heavily in the news about what's going on in Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, probably three other states that I I can't even think of right now because they weren't as drastic as those states. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know even even just like today in the news, uh, they're saying that Missouri is uh, voting to get rid of, I don't know what they're doing exactly, but they want to get rid of the last abortion clinic that exists in Missouri at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, that, like, obviously that's our, our neighbor to to the whatever direction that is west. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, obviously you probably have more knowledge on, on how these laws affect uh, women in all these states, how that could affect even just women in our state. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you want to say about that? Um, so CAF, the Chicago Abortion Fund has been around for over 30 years. Um, we are a part of a larger network called the National Network of Abortion Funds. Um, these laws that have been passing or that people have been trying to pass in more conservative places um, have brought around a conversation that made me realize that a lot of people don't realize that abortion funds have been around forever doing this work. Mm. Um, CAF, unfortunately, because of these laws, more and more people have been coming to CAF from out of state. So CAF has been funding more and more callers from out of state as Um, more restrictive abortion laws pass. Uh, We do try to use gender-neutral language um, because we do realize that um, some women can't have abortions and some people who do have abortions aren't women. So we've been Mm -hmm. um, helping people for over 30 years and so have so many other abortion funds across the country. Um, So, I mean, like, these laws being passed um, are awful. They're terrible. It's a way to control people's bodies. Um, But at the same time, at least one positive is all the attention that's been brought to abortion funds. Uh, 
Yellowhammer Fund has gained thousands of followers, thousands and thousands of dollars in donations. Um, the Clinic Vest Project, which helps people, uh, they like wear vests and help people at clinics, like protect them from protesters. They've raised like hundreds of thousands of dollars. CAF has gained thousands of followers. So, you know, it sucks, but at least it's sparking a conversation. At least people are now realizing how serious it is. Yeah, I guess that is a, a silver lining, I guess. The bright side of the whole situation is that, you know, we, we I know the conversation with a lot of people uh, right now is the fact that this is sort of a, a, a play to get Roe versus Wade uh, back into the Supreme Court so that there can be more uh, legislation from uh, the federal level on states and say uh, that states can kind of mm-hmm. do whatever they want. Uh, and I know that's kind of like the major uh, fear of it. And I know that obviously if, if we're not talking about it, if people think that these abortion laws are safe, and then all of a sudden one day it's back up uh, to the Supreme Court and then it's gone and these states can just make whatever laws that they want to make. Uh, you know, we haven't really done our due diligence in the right. meantime without knowing that these yeah. things are happening. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point, like trying to get it to the Supreme Court with um, Brett Kavanaugh in there. Um, once he gets appointed, people mm-hmm. think that you know, the Supreme Court is going to be ultra conservative. So this is the time like this is like um, Mm -hmm. anti-choices people time to bring in all these laws and try to get Roe v. Wade completely recalled, I guess. Yeah, I like that you said anti-choice as well, because I really do hate the term pro-life because that's clearly a hypocritical stance which considering everything that uh, is on the other side so i i've heard a lot of different terms i like anti-choice is more of like a an easy one but i have heard like pro forced mm-hmm. birth and i'm like it's not doesn't sound it's wrong pretty, to me. it's intense wording but it's true it is forced birth but yeah um i usually yeah. use anti-choice because pro-life uh People who are anti-choice aren't exactly pro-life, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I this there's been a lot of, I, I I hesitate to call them memes because they're not really like funny mm-hmm. memes or anything, but just a lot of people reposting tweets and uh, taking snapshots of things and videos and all these these things on the internet of people just sort of calling out the hypocrisy of the whole issue. And I'm like, well, I don't like, I get it. And I agree with you that it is hypocritical, but maybe we should start doing something like changing the, changing the, the verbiage that we use and sort of calling it out for what it actually is in these debates and is these conversations rather than saying pro-lifers, uh, they don't want to, they don't yeah, really care about I life. I 100% agree. I think even just like reproductive justice in general is, so much more of a larger issue than people think it is and you know that's that's the Chicago abortion funds framework we try to go from a reproductive justice framework so it goes even further than just pro-life or pro-choice you know um we want to make sure that if people do want to parent they have the opportunity to parent in the way that they like to we want to make sure that 
mm-hmm. police aren't killing people's children because that's also a part of reproductive justice, that people aren't being sent to jail because mm-hmm. that also breaks apart families and is a part of reproductive justice. So it would be super tight if... Um, all this talk about <laughs> pro-life, pro-choice also got people talking about the larger picture of reproductive justice. And that's just allowing people to decide for themselves if they want to create a family, if they don't want to create a family, and if they do want to create a family, that they're protected and able to do it in the ways that is safe for them and their communities. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Um as far as what CAF uh, raises money for and what they, uh, how they support people with that, um, could you tell us a little bit more? Because obviously the event is going to be a fundraiser, and so there will be uh, a donation at the door and raffle prizes for donations. So um, if you could just tell maybe a little bit more about what the money is used for and how it goes Absolutely. So um, because of the Hyde Amendment, um, abortion isn't funded by the government. Um, so that means that abortion funds really have to work super, super hard to help people fund their abortions. Um, what CAF does, along with all a bunch of other abortion funds across the country, um, we provide financial, logistical, and emotional support to folks who need help paying for their abortions. Um, so something that we do is we, provi- we provide grants to people of varying amounts to help them cover the costs of their abortion. Um, we used to only be able to take a certain percentage of people who called in because we do have a helpline. That's how people call into us. Um, they call into the Chicago mm-hmm. abortion funds helpline and through this helpline, we talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we only used to be able to fund a small percentage of people who called in because the funds just weren't there. But as the years have gone by, luckily, more and more people have been donating, more and more people have been seeing that this is an issue. I do think that Trump getting elected helped push people into action. And in these past couple of years, we've been able to, uh, we've been able to fund way, way, way more people. Like, I think it was like 70%, 60 to 70% of people were able to fund now. So we're hoping that one day we're able to fund 100% of people who call in. But um, I think we're definitely expecting an increase in out-of-state callers um, because of everything that's been happening lately. But we um, help them with everything. I mean, my professor who I previously mentioned, who's on the board of the Chicago Abortion Fund, recently she met someone at O'Hare Airport that was coming from out of state to get an abortion. She let her stay in her home. They talked about reproductive justice and the resources that she'll need outside of like her time getting an abortion in Illinois. She, you know, helped her every step of the way, basically. And these are the kinds of things that CAF mm-hmm. does and the kinds of things that um, abortion funds in general do to help folks. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, is there, and this is more or less just a question from me because I don't necessarily know all of these these very restrictive laws that are happening, but 
when someone travels out of state, so if somebody from Missouri uh, or, or another state that borders Illinois comes into our state or into Chicago and they uh, are coming here for an abortion and they're going back, uh, what kind of risks does that pose to the person when they... When so they right now, um, luckily, you know, no one's going to be waiting for them at the border of their state to arrest them or anything like that. Um, there have been threats about it that I've seen going around. Um, I don't know how likely that is to actually happen. Um, it is a concern, mm-hmm. definitely. But as for right now, folks aren't going to be arrested in their state for getting an abortion out of state, luckily. Well, that's good. I think it would, uh, it sounds more like it could be enforced if Roe v. Wade is, uh, is removed, yeah. is gone, uh, then it, it sounds like it's more possible because it becomes more states' rights issues rather than, you know, a, a, a person's able, ability to go across state lines and get an abortion would obviously be very, uh, limited if you yeah, return absolutely. to that state. Um, yeah, and I, I, I know we also know that a lot of these laws tend to affect more uh, poor, disenfranchised mm-hmm. people of color uh, rather than, uh, you know, rich white people who can basically do whatever they want because yeah. they write these laws. Um, so maybe uh, if you have any, because uh, we, were, we were talking today about making sure that uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, our friend Ariel, who runs that uh, for us with Emo Karaoke, um, she, she's going to be tabling at the event or we're, we're figuring it out, but we'll, we'll be there and we'll be supporting in some way. And, uh, you had mentioned that it was very important as far as, uh, for reproductive justice to have someone like Ariel and Black Lives Matter to be involved. Yeah. Um, I love the work Black Lives Matter Chicago is doing in the city. Um, and I do think that they're very intertwined, um, Black women have been spearheading the reproductive justice movement for years. I'm, I'm like 99% sure it was a black woman who coined the term reproductive justice. Uh, it's so heavily tied together with everything that Black Lives Matter talks about. Um, and you're absolutely correct. When these anti-choice laws are written, they're written to essentially punish poor people like when um if roe v wade gets taken away from folks you know the president's wife is still going to be able to get an abortion governor's mistresses are still going to be able to get an abortion um rich people are absolutely still going to be able to get abortions. The people that these abortion laws are affecting are primarily, you know, poor folks of color who don't have access to as many resources as other people do. Um, And, you know, even when you're talking about reproductive justice and reproductive health, the maternity rate for black women, the the rate of death for black women is so high. Giving birth is so dangerous for black women because they aren't given the resources that they need and the resources that they deserve. So I thought it was really important that Black Lives Matter be there um, because they're the ones that have been doing the work. Black women, black folks, queer folks, non-binary folks in general have been 
doing mm-hmm. the work when it comes to reproductive justice and abortion funds. Um, so many abortion funds are run by black women and black folks, um, and they deserve that credit and that respect. So, yeah, I agree. I, um, I just, I feel, I don't want to say I feel guilty <laughs> as a, as a, as a cisgender straight white man. I don't want to say I feel guilty, but at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of people have been calling for people like me who can basically do whatever the fuck I want and, uh, get away with it, which is not yeah. condoning that. It's just me sort of acknowledging right. the white privilege that I have. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's been on the shoulders of so many underprivileged people for so long that like, it's definitely time to like stand up and, and fight for these people who have been fighting their mm-hmm. entire lives. And I'm just like, like, fuck it just, I don't know. I, 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 again, I don't want to say guilt, but I do feel like weight. Like I feel like heavy with the thought and heavy with the idea of like, you know, yeah. of these things. So I, I definitely agree with you of having black lives matter there because yeah, like this is, it's, it's our responsibility to not only become involved, but also to listen to the people who have been involved and find out, you know, kind of what the next step is for, for people like me yeah. uh, to do how we step in. Right. And, and, and I think it's, really important for you know white cis straight guys to start listening to people <laughs> that don't look like them um and i mean i'm not saying guilt doesn't help anyone but if you feel pressured you should feel <laughs> pressured um yeah i mean guilt is a great motivator but it's also i think the reason why a lot of uh of white men don't really want to yeah. step up right now is because guilt is not the emotion you want to go out right. there and get more but of. I mean <laughs> the best thing uh, to do in my opinion when you're coming from a place of privilege is listen to people who have been doing this work um listen to what they've been fighting for and what they've been saying and listen to what they say that they need from you and from other people like you. And, you know, if people who come from a place of privilege aren't acknowledging their privilege and aren't talking to um, other people in their life about it, then nothing's going to change. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I uh, I definitely think that one of the benefits of doing these emo karaoke events uh, like we've done, this is only our second fundraiser one, so uh, we're still, you know, all the kinks are still being worked out, and we're obviously very uh, thankful for organizations to come out and support us with it, because sometimes me and Lizzie are just sort of like, oh, right, shit, we got to do that. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, again, thank you to you and uh, Ariel, uh, who helped us with the last one. Um it's like, so if, if it's a genre that's traditionally appealed to white men who've been angry or sad because women don't want to date them or are mad at like their situation, um, we found also that, that the music appeals to, uh, to everybody, but it's been a genre that only has represented um, these certain groups. And I think that one of the, the reasons we wanted to do it with these different uh these different charities, these different uh, 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 groups, and these different fundraisers, 
was just to sort of bring in those other people and give a space and an opportunity for people to discuss back and forth uh, from different positions in life, from different, you know, uh, from different positions of uh, uh, privilege as well. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think emo and pop punk in general is catered to men um, being <laughs> angry about women um, not wanting to fuck them. <laughs> so I read a very I, in-depth article on incels today. And so I'm like, wait, are emo kids just incels? And I'm like, no, 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 no. But also, wait, it's close. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, um, you're absolutely correct. And a lot of people in that scene aren't super into politics. Mm -hmm. um, so I was super interested um, when I heard about the Black Lives Matter emo versus pop punk karaoke night. And I wanted to do that for CAF too. And I'm really glad that you guys were willing to because I feel like it brings people in who see emo karaoke and they get super excited about it, who may not know a lot about reproductive justice or the Chicago abortion fund or, you know, other organizations in Chicago that are doing these, this like groundwork. Um, so I think it's a really cool way not to like trick people, but <laughs> to like trick people, you know, it's kind of a nice like middle ground between it. Like I have seen a lot of my friends and a lot of people within the, the emo pop punk community who have been angry and have been, uh, ready to 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 fight these these laws and ready to fight for reproductive justice but at the same time you know you have these these places you can donate money to um but there's not necessarily uh, in illinois especially because we are more democratic and we tend to vote in people that would uh you know, be elected to fight for reproductive justice rather than pass these kind of laws in Illinois. Not to say it can't happen, just saying it's not super likely at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but there's it sometimes feels like there's not much we can do. And I right. think that this gives an opportunity like, hey, show up. There are things you can do. You can support it. You can learn more about it. You can meet people who are involved. Um, and I, I also kind of wanted to set it up for that just to get people in the community like, able to be active in doing it rather than sitting at home on Facebook. Like I'm so angry and I'm so yeah. upset, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. I mean, people feeling upset is valid and real, but at the same time, you know, I've seen people be like, I'm so sad that I don't know where to go from here. And like, I get that. And I understand that, but at some point people have to start doing more than, making a Facebook status or a Twitter thread about a social issue. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'm yeah. a very big believer that if you're able bodied and have the ability, you should get involved with organizations in your community. Um, and when it comes to reproductive justice and reproductive health, the Chicago abortion fund is an amazing org to get involved with and start with. So I'm really hoping that this event, um, helps people who feel hopeless or feel like they can't do anything to help. It helps them understand that there's always something to do. Like people have been working on the ground doing this stuff for years and there's always room for more people and more help, you know? Yeah. I've also, uh, I'm very pushy on voting in all elections, really. I mean, local elections are more push than I'm doing right now because, uh, like I said, we we 
tend to lean democratic. There's nothing that makes that a permanent thing. And there's nothing that makes our laws in Illinois permanent, except for mm-hmm. people going to the polls and voting for politicians that will vote uh the way we want them to. Um, And I know right now, um, and I'm sorry, I don't know that much about this. So you might have to help me with some of my my knowledge on this. But uh, is is it called the RAF? Is that the the bill that uh, was marched on? uh, RHA? RHA. Yeah, sorry. I I guess. Yeah. So um, there's been a Yeah, people have been talking a lot about RHA in Illinois. That's been like a hashtag on Twitter. So it stands for the Reproductive Health Act. And basically what it would do is, you know, there's been a lot of fear around Roe v. Wade um, being taken away from folks and being repealed and all of these restrictive abortion laws going on in different states around us, neighboring states. So um, basically what the Reproductive Reproductive Health Act would do is um, there's these laws, there's like the abortion law of 1975 and the partial birth abortion law that haven't been enforced in court ever, but um, they're pretty anti-choice laws and them still being there, even though they're not enforced in court, um, is concerning. So um, the RHA would repeal those laws. Um And then it would also require that insurance companies provide coverage for abortions. Um, So it's important to Illinois specifically because, you know, anti-choice and anti-abortion lawmakers um, have been passing these restrictive laws in our neighboring states. Um, I mean... I'm, I'm pretty sure I posted this on the Chicago Abortion Fund's Instagram, but in 2018 alone, 22 states uh, enacted abortion restrictions, and the number is honestly just growing and growing in Illinois. Um, the Reproductive Health Act would basically repeal um, really old laws that were put in place, and it would it's essentially telling people like everyone has a right to reproductive health. Everyone has a right to use contraceptives and not use them to get an abortion, to not get an abortion. Um, folks have the right to do what's best for them and their families and their communities and their bodies. You know what I mean? Mm. So it was just passed yesterday. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think it was yesterday for sure. Yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So Uh, it passed the house. Um, 64 people voted in favor, 50 people voted against, but yeah, RHA passed in the house, um, still needs to go through the Senate. So, Mm. uh, is there anything that uh, most of our audience lives in Chicago? So I don't know if there's many people from other, areas of the state that could, (laughs) that would listen and do anything, but is there anything that we can do, um, that either, either in person, if there's another March or anything like that, or if there's anything we can do as far as like calling or contacting our representatives, uh, to make sure that this goes through? Yeah. So, um, calling your representatives is always an amazing idea. Um, if folks, 
want to follow the Chicago Abortion Fund on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, there are some links on there um, for what to do. We have a Instagram highlight about the RHA, and at the end, we link to a... Um, it was like this little like pre-written message um, created by the ACLU. And I thought that was super helpful personally to people who may not know the right wordings or the right things to say. Um, and it just like sends it to your representative. Um, but yeah, that's all on the Chicago Abortion Funds website um, on our social media. So awesome yeah we'll link those down in the show notes um but are you just at chicago abortion fund on on all the social meets so instagram is chicago abortion fund twitter is at shy abortion fund gotcha cool we'll link those so that everybody can find you and uh i hope that anyone who listens to this understands that if you're angry there is something you can do about it and contacting representative is fairly easy and fairly useful very useful i think if you're staying involved in in local politics and making sure these things uh can't happen in our neck of the woods like it has happened elsewhere and if you are from another state which yeah. hi, hi how are you and uh please let us know where you're from because i don't know how many people listen to this outside of chicago uh yeah but yeah uh uh they, you should also do uh contact your representatives and stuff <laughs> yeah contacting reps is always a good idea yeah i guess i just want to reiterate that you know abortion funds are amazing and resilient and the people who are in charge of them are so talented and extremely powerful um and abortion funds have been doing this work for years and Things seem scary right now, which is very real. It's it's understandable to feel anxious, but abortion funds aren't going to ever stop doing the work that they're doing. Um, and that can only be done with people's support. So donating money is always the best way <laughs> to support people. <laughs> but if you don't have money to donate, um, organizing is also a good alternative. If you can't organize talk to your racist and conservative family members <laughs> i feel like that's the least someone can do i know sometimes people don't like to be confrontational and don't like to start fights but when it comes to life or death for certain folks um i'm willing to start a fight and i think other people <laughs> should be willing to i 100 percent agree with that <laughs> uh if you can't talk to your family then I don't know, learn how. <laughs> yeah. I I have felt like, you know, since uh, since everything has gone to shit that I feel like I've been having much more of a, a productive conversations with my family who don't necessarily, you know, they're from an older generation, so they don't necessarily get like what is happening right now and why it's happening. They just sort of see mm -hmm. like the the basic level of it and don't really see the the political maneuvering i suppose i hate to call it maneuvering because i don't think the people on the side of the moral wrong are very smart <laughs> but yeah you know uh it, it's good to have the conversations or at least understand uh what's going on out there in the world so that you can have these conversations and explain it in a way where it should make sense to everybody and mm -hmm. i agree these are these are really important issues that we can't just let 
go by and hope that other people are doing the work, other people are are carrying the load for us. We need to, you know, start to get involved with with something, with everything we can. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, well, Laura, thank you so much for your time. I, yeah, of uh, course. This was awesome. It was educational for me. And uh, we will see you on June 5th. Yes, I will be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't wait. And uh, from us at Emo Social Club, uh, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. because we will not go back to the days of back alley abortions. The recent reproductive laws passed in Alabama, Georgia, and Missouri a few weeks ago triggered outrage across the nation, which resulted in protests against the restrictions on abortion access and care. The Reproductive Rights Rally in Chicago filled Daily Plaza with activists, speakers, and pro-life protests during the afternoon rush hour. One protester, Rose Hanks, says she felt this was the time to use her voice. Shocked. I was outraged. I was angry. Um, and coming to this protest just kind of helped me put all those emotions um, and turn it into action. Um, I really hope that this does this. The bans on abortion doesn't continue to a, um, a full federal level. Um, I hope that this is just an isolated incident that can be reversed. Um, even though it doesn't start until January, I believe that this is going to negatively affect um, people all across the United States, um, it gives them the ideologies that are being spread and it needs to be stopped. Hanks also says she discovered how close this topic resonates with just not herself, but with her mother as well. Um, so while I was preparing for this event, I was kind of talking about it with my family. Um, and then my mom actually told me that when she was a freshman in college, uh, she had an abortion. Um, she had never told me this before and it just kind of sparked this really candid conversation about like, what reproductive justice means to us and how her life wouldn't be the same without the abortion that she had. Um, so it's been a really meaningful opportunity for me to just speak about it with my family members and learn our personal stories surrounding abortion. Women also spoke about their own experiences with abortion and why they chose that option. Early 2012 was a very dark time for me. I was 26 years old and had two part-time jobs, one of which was a bartending gig in my hometown of Milwaukee. I was also still dealing with a toxic breakup in which my ex had gotten another woman pregnant, and I was stuck living by myself in a two-bedroom apartment I could no longer afford on my own. Just when I thought things couldn't get worse, I discovered I was pregnant. Instead of feeling joy, I was devastated and scared. I would stay up all night asking myself questions like, how did this happen? What am I gonna do? What is my super Mexican Catholic family gonna think? But the one question I asked myself the most was, can I really support a baby right now? Even with the two jobs, I could barely afford to feed myself and I didn't even have health insurance. How the hell was I gonna feed, nurture, and care for a child too? It just didn't seem fair to bring another life into this constant struggle of just to get by. After being super real with myself and deciding I wasn't stable or ready to become a mom, I was faced with the harsh reality of how much an abortion procedure actually costs. It basically boiled down to paying next month's rent or making the most important decision of my life. The longer I waited to get the money together, the more expensive my abortion procedure got. Not being able to afford an abortion was a real wake-up call, but at the same time it confirmed that I was making the right decision. I was very ashamed of the position I was in, so I only shared my struggle with two friends. 
One of them offered to help me with the cost. I couldn't believe someone would be so selfless and do that for me. But unfortunately, I still had to focus on how I was going to come up with the other half. Just when I started to lose hope, the clinic referred me to the Chicago Abortion Fund. I never knew funds like this existed until this crucial moment in my life. When I decided to call the helpline, my heart was beating so fast, kind of like it is right now. And I immediately burst into tears when the volunteer on the other end let me know that they were able to grant me the funds I needed. This was the final step I needed to start over and create a life I actually wanted. So on, 2000, sorry, on April 21st, 2012, I had my abortion. That morning was a blur, but right away I felt a sense of relief and I still do. I was also lucky enough to have that same special friend there to help me even more by hugging me, letting me cry in the car, and taking me to get a plate of arroz y gandules right after. That's speaker Crystal Rosales. She says without the assistance from the Chicago Abortion Fund, she would not have been able to afford her abortion procedure. Rosales at the time resided in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and says she was surprised that the fund helped those needing an abortion out of state. The RHA repeals the abortion bill of 1973 and the partial birth ban. Because the RHA's laws covers broader areas of reproductive access and care that were previously regulated through these former laws. October Gananawan, a member of the National Asian Pacific Americans Women's Forum, explains how inclusive this new law is. It is much more comprehensive, much more intersectional, and much more uh, thorough. Uh, so, like, language access and uh, economic access uh, and uh, racial discrimination, all that stuff um, is kind of mentioned uh, when you're talking about intersectionality and reproductive justice. And RHA kind of helps with that. There was an opposition from Republicans in the House, like Representative Avery Bourne, who was also pregnant. She says the bill will plan a broader expansion of abortion and would make late-term abortions widely available despite the viability of a fetus outside the womb. This bill allows for secondary-term abortions and will allow health care providers conducting the procedure to not be charged for a crime. However, this type of abortion is done mainly to preserve the health of the mother and if the fetus is not viable. Another bill that supporters want to see passed is the Parental Notice Act. Ganana one explains what repealing the bill would do. The PNA, that's the Parental Notice Act. It is a piece of legislation in which minors under the age of 17 in the Illinois state uh, they are required within 48 hours of seeking uh, abortion services with their health care provider to tell a guardian or parent about their decision. And that parent or guardian has to give them permission to do it. And if this uh, minor cannot get permission from them, their only other recourse, if they want to successfully end the pregnancy, is to go to the justice system, this uh, court system, and talk to a judge about their case, quote unquote case, um, and convince the judge to get bypass the uh, piece of leg the law essentially, and give them give them also permission to uh, go forward with ending the pregnancy. And uh, this is a huge problem. This is a huge attack on not only reproductive rights but also the very essence of bodily autonomy because it is teaching youth that their bodies are not theirs. On the opposite side, counter-protesters like Sarah Minnick, who is the Upper Midwest Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America, say that she is here to empower women. Bring resources for pregnant American students to our campus and then also promote the dignity of human 
positive movement that's promoting life and promoting the, our goal, which is to empower women. Both sides have their own viewpoints. However, studies show that prior to the passing of Roe versus Wade, abortions were unregulated and dangerous. A report from the Guttmeyer Policy Review from March 2003 says that in 1930, abortion was listed as the official case of death from almost 2,700 women. About 18% of maternal deaths were recorded that year. However, the death toll declined to under 1,700 deaths by 1940 and lowered it to 300 by 1950. However, this is primarily due to most likely antibiotics that were used after the fact to help reduce the infection. By 1965, the number of deaths due to illegal abortion had fallen to just under 200, but illegal abortion still accounted for 17% of all deaths attributed to pregnancy and childbirth that year. And these are just the numbers that were officially reported. This means that there are possibly more unreported deaths from underground abortions during this time due to it being illegal. Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. And according to a 2017 Pew Research study, says that 69% of Americans do not believe that it should be completely overturned. Linda Ring helps folks seeking abortion care at clinics and says that she has seen an increase in pro-life protesters. So what normally happens is they're standing on the perimeter of the parking lot with awful signage and um, sometimes megaphones, and they're screaming at the client and holding up their signs. So what I try to do is I walk to the client's car and um, try to physically block out the signage while talking to the client to block out the noise. Not only have I been doing it more often personally, I used to do it once a week, now I'm doing it two and three times a week. I have definitely seen an uptick in activity at the clinics. The draconian bans in Alabama, Georgia, and Missouri would result in any woman seeking an abortion to face up to 99 years in prison if convicted. It also disallows access to the procedure even in cases of rape, incest, and if the pregnancy puts the mother at risk. President Donald Trump and other Republicans say they do not stand by these laws and believe that it should be allowed for certain cases. These laws in other states will not go into effect until January 2020. It is crucial for those to keep standing in solidarity with other individuals in those states and those who need affordable and accessible abortions. However, while some of these are going to be implemented until January 2020, it is still highly crucial that we keep this in the spotlight and keep showing our support through different organizations, protests, and also through donations. So those individuals who may not be able to access abortions within their state or because of other reasons are able to do so and are able to do so under their own circumstances. Reporting for Emo Social Club Podcast, this has been Lizzie Baumgartner.